I am unequivocally anti-democracy. We live in a constitutional republic. Why would I ever be anything other than Republican? Trigger warning disclaimer. Hazardous Conversations pushes rhetorical boundaries for acceptable political discourse. Listening to this program could have the uncomfortable side effect of provoking deep intellectual inquiry into foundational principles of liberty. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Hazardous Conversations. Sorry it took me a little longer to get this episode up. I've actually been in the process of moving my studio, if you could call it that, out to our trailer because we realized... It didn't need to be in the house, and we have all this space in the trailer that we're not really using for anything other than storage. Let me carve out a niche in there and record kind of away from everything and everyone, and maybe have a better product as a result. We'll see. But as I said, I am unequivocally anti-democracy. I am so sick and tired, as I know many of you are, of... Every single time a politician gets up there and says, this is a threat to our democracy, we have to protect our democracy, blah, 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 democracy, democracy, democracy. And we are not a democracy. We were not founded to be a democracy. We are a constitutional republic, which means that it is not merely the rule of the majority. The majority can go pound sand when it comes to inalienable individual liberties and that's what our constitution is supposed to do design and give us a government that respects individual liberties and limits the government's ability to infringe upon that now why do i bring this up why do i bring up the idea of being anti-democracy because it's a term it's a term and definition that we have allowed the left to own and control and distort and manipulate, just like we've done with so many other terms like racist or racism or white supremacy or vaccine or what other words and terms have we allowed them to own and define. Marriage, they want to redefine. They're still hell-bent on redefining what marriage is. And you can corner them on this very easily. They just passed this so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which has nothing to do with respecting marriage and has nothing to do with giving anybody any rights that they already didn't have, especially after the Supreme Court ruled in Oberfeld. What that had to do with is going after people who resist the redefinition of marriage. They want to be able to punish people who want to hold a biblical view or a religious-based view of marriage because they have to redefine that term. It's not enough to have equal rights. They have to own the language. We need to stop ceding this ground. We need to stop allowing them to own the language. When they say that Trump is eating with a white supremacist, okay, what does that mean? What do you mean when you say white supremacy? What are you, how are you defining that? Don't simply, when you're engaged with conversations with people, do not simply allow them to use terminology at face value. 
because the agreed upon terms, the agreed upon definition of things no longer applies to the left. You take a simple term like racism. What is racism? Well, I think Dr. King gave us the best definition. It's when you're judging somebody on an outward appearance based off of an immutable inherent genetic trait rather than on who that person is and that fact that that person is a human being. But to the left, that's not what racism means. That's not what it means to be a racist. What it means to be a racist is to be white. If you are not white, you cannot be racist according to the left. That is a wholesale redefinition of terms. Let's not even get into the gender jacking issue. Trying to redefine basic terms like men and women, boys and girls, male and female. Now, why is this so important? Because if we let go of the, of the terminology or if we don't push back against the terminology, we will be in a perpetual losing cycle. We will never, ever be able to win any sort of arguments with people. It's not that you're necessarily trying to win an argument against somebody that you may be debating, whether it's on social media or face to face. It's that if other people are reading the argument that you're having online or listening to the face-to-face -face discussion that you're having, having, or I should say confronting people on these terms, on these definitions, is important. Because otherwise, they will say things like, oh, the COVID vaccine. Guys, there isn't a COVID vaccine. It doesn't exist. Are you talking about the jab? Because... We can talk about the jab, but there is no COVID vaccine. Don't play along and don't do it. And even if you're in a, in a situation where you're just doing it because, oh, well, it's easier because that's what everyone understands. No, you have to stand your ground on this issue. You have to stand your ground on correct definitions, correct terminology. And here's the thing. You may never come to agreement with the person you're having the discussion with on what something means, but at least then you can at least come away from that discussion, that argument, understanding that we can't agree on what this means, so we can't even have a discussion about the other thing. You say that I'm racist, we can't even decide, we can't even agree on what racism is. So how are you going to sit there and call me a racist? How are we going to have that discussion? And yeah, we need to be that basic. Yeah, we need to be that, um, oh, the word's escaping me, but we need to be that basic with how we interact with people. Because I think one of the biggest faults of the right right now is that we are constantly on the enemy's turf utilizing rules and terms that they've already agreed and already set, whether the real definitions or not. And as long as we keep playing on under those rules, we will never gain ground. So here's another term that comes up and the right goes right along with it for the most part. Fraud. What is fraud? At its most basic fundamental level, fraud is portraying something as being other than what it is. It is 
it is lying, absolutely. But it is saying that an apple is, in fact, an orange. It is saying that red is, in fact, blue. So why is this important? When we look at election integrity and we allow them to say there was no fraud in the 2020 election, I'm sorry, I cannot accept that, that conclusion. When you have non-citizens voting, that is fraud. When you have ballots being cast without any sort of ID or verification, that is fraud. Whether it's happening in a court-provable way or not, it is fraud. Something is happening that is other than what it is portrayed to be. Let's put it this way. Why have citizenship? To what benefit and purpose is there being a citizen someplace? If you're in a democracy, quote unquote, if you are someplace where suffrage is part of the process, but anybody can participate in it, you don't have a country. You don't. Whether you have borders or not, if anybody can participate in the mechanisms of the governance of that country, then it's a world government. It's a it's an open, it's a third world banana republic. Now, I know a lot of people listening will say, well, you're making the assumption the votes count at all. No, I'm not. I, this has nothing to do with whether or not those votes are counted properly because it's making the assumption that the process isn't being conducted in a legitimate way in the first place. Non-citizens voting is fraud. Not checking IDs in order to receive a ballot and cast a ballot is fraud. And in my opinion, any ballot counting that happens past 11.59 p.m. and 59 seconds on election night is fraud. You cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that any place in this country is incapable of counting every single ballot on election night. Now, if you want to talk about the necessity to have recounts or verifications, stuff like that, okay, maybe we can have that discussion. But there is absolutely no reason whatsoever other than the intent to leave open the window for fraud. There is no reason that ballots in every single precinct everywhere in this country cannot be counted before midnight on election night. The only possible reason that they can't or the only possible argument you can make for why that's impossible is if you intend to leave the door open to commit fraud. Whether you're doing it at that time or not is not the issue. You want to leave the door open to be able to do it should you feel the need arise. We have to own the terminology. We have to take it back. We have to get people to remember that words have meanings. Now, speaking of elections, speaking of primaries in particular, and whether or not Trump is going to be the Republican nominee, I was having a, a discussion with a couple different people, both on my Facebook page and on uh, some other conservative groups here in Arkansas. The realization occurred to me. If your goal is to get rid of Trump, if you don't want Trump to run in 2024, well, first of all, 
that cat's out of the bag. He's going to run. You may not like it for whatever reason, but he's running. He's announced he's not going to pull out, not at this moment anyway. But if you really are intent on stopping the Trump mania, the MAGA mania, if you really have a disdain for it, the only effective way that that is going to happen is if you 110% support the man. Now, hear me out. I know that sounds weird, but listen. As long as Trump or any of his super loyal supporters, as long as they can have even an iota, a shred, a, a sliver of excuse for why he didn't win, as in a us versus the system, Trump versus everybody, if that window is even open a little bit, Trump is going to pounce on it, he's going to exploit it, and his supporters are going to go right along with him on it. The only way that you could possibly defeat that is if you support him in such a way that there is absolutely no reasonable way anyone could ever come back and say, oh, well, the establishment was against me, or oh, well, this person undercut me, or oh, well, this person was stabbing me in the back. As long as that exists, and it does, I'm sorry, it does. Anyone who can't see that McConnell has been a never-Trumper from the get-go, um, you're just, you've got blinders on, okay? Paul Ryan was a never-Trumper. Uh, Bonner was a never-Trumper, even though he never really had to deal with him. Um, all of these blue-blood, rhino-Republicans, establishment types, all these never-Trumpers, as long as they're out there pulling or providing resistance to Trump, within the party especially then his supporters and he are going to be able to play the woe is me look they're trying to they're trying to stop me which really means they're trying to stop you that will never go away as long as there are people providing re- other than democrats okay Th- this is not about what the democrats are going to do because he- i got news for you all you people who are all in on DeSantis or all in on anybody other than Trump they're going to do the exact same crap to your candidate that they're doing to Trump. They've got a special hatred for Trump. This is true, which is why they've gone completely unhinged and willing to blow up the system to stop him. But you're insane if you don't think that that's going to hap- not going to happen to your candidate. Case in point, Mitt Romney. Now, I have no love of Mitt Romney, and I know a lot of you don't either. But the left love him. He's their darling child. He's out there all the time. On every leftist news channel he could possibly get in front of, he's constantly being propped up and lauded. Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney. What happened when he ran for president? He was Satan's spawn. John McCain, darling of the left. Mr. Washington, Mr. Bipartisanship. What happened when he ran for president? Hitler. It doesn't matter who Republicans, who conservatives put on that ballot. They are going to be attacked. They are going to be libeled and slandered. They're going to be attacked with all sorts of vicious epitaphs. And we're going to roll over and take it like we normally do. 
The thing that you can't stand about Trump is that he fights back, and he fights back in not nice ways. I don't know if I mentioned this in my previous episode, but I'm so sick of the Republican Party of people on the right saying, we want a wrecking ball to big government, but we want a nice one. Are we insane? Are we really that wrapped up in our own neuroses that we can't see the truth of that? Now, I am not being a Trump apologist in any way, shape, or form. Anyone who's listened to me or followed me for any small period of time knows I have no love of Donald Trump, except that he governed exactly as he said he was going to govern. I was dead wrong about that in 2016. And you are damn right that I will take someone who is honest about following through. He's the most hated president in history because he actually did what he said he was going to do. And there are people who are saying he can't win. He's too much baggage. He's disqualified himself. How? In what way? The only way you can believe that Donald Trump has disqualified himself as president or to be president is if you believe the lies that the left is spewing about him. Or you just want them to be true. You don't have to like the man. You don't have to think that he is great in any way, shape, or form. But to deny that he is completely baselessly slandered every single day, organized and targeted like no other American in history, or I should say maybe no other politician in history, and that that somehow means that we just need to back off and find someone a little nicer, a little less braggadoche. How absurd. How utterly absurd. So you really want to get rid of him? You really want to be done with Trump? Go all in. Make it so that whatever the results are, they are so clear and there is not even the tiniest little toehold that he or his supporters could possibly latch onto to say that we were backstabbed or that we were double-crossed or that we were, you know, stonewalled by the establishment. Because anything other than that, he's going to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. I think I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, I was going to go on and talk about um, the presidential primary process and um, an idea that I've been tossing around in my head for quite a while now on, on how we can, I don't want to say fix it, it's a revamp. But I will say this about the primary process. It needs to get away from the state. Okay, the political parties are private entities. They need to operate as private entities. They need to stop using taxpayer money to facilitate their own processes, especially in primaries. And I don't care if you're talking about presidential primaries or in-state primaries, whatever it is. The state should not have an involvement whatsoever in how political parties choose their candidates and put them on the ballot. I'm sorry, they shouldn't. And I will argue with anyone who believes otherwise. Next episode, or maybe the one after, depending on when I can get them, we're going to have a guest, my very good friend Dave McMullen, who is the chairman of the Republican Party in Pierce County, Washington. Uh, Dave has been a great mentor of mine. 
um, getting involved in politics and I'm going to have some frank discussions with him about the party and the process and ideas and ways we can move forward, not only in his state, but also um, throughout the rest of the country. So with that, I invite you to like, rate, comment, follow, subscribe, and most importantly, share this podcast with anyone that you think might also enjoy what we talk about here. God be with you all in all that you do. And remember, keep the faith and keep up the fight.